0: Over 20 years ago, when I was uh, with the MOD, I once spent the day at uh, Thames Valley Police Headquarters at Solomsted, uh just kind of outside Reading, uh, learning about how they search. Some things are searched for because they are lost and other things because they have been deliberately hidden. Some of the hidden things are intended never to be found, such as a weapon thrown in the bottom of a canal. Others are hidden such that they would be found, but only by an intended recipient. Republican terrorists used to pass guns and ammunition between groups, hiding it in hedges. Now, a country road with a hedge could be quite big. Where do you start looking? Do you start at one end of the hedge and you work your way along the entire hedge? That's one approach. But then we also have to remember that they wanted a particular person to find it. So there had to be a way for that person to find it. And so the understanding went learned in Northern Ireland that if you looked maybe about this height, you know, the sort of height that you can just shove your hand into the hedge nice and quick, at a particular place, maybe near where there was a manhole, or maybe a telegraph pole, or just to the left, or just to the right of that, that was where you were likely to find the thing that was lost. Searching for a person may likewise be one that wants to be found. A stranded hiker with a broken leg. They want to be found. They want to be rescued. Or it might be somebody that doesn't want to be found. A criminal on the run. Could even be someone who doesn't realise they were lost at all. Maybe they're confused. Or maybe they're actually perfectly safe, but others think they've lost. There was a case in Iceland some years ago. Um, where a group of tourists joined a search party and they were hunting and it wasn't until three in the morning that one of the members of the search party realised that she was the person that they were hunting for. <laughs> it's tricky to know what to do in such circumstances, and. I believe that's not the only case. Each year, about 250,000 people are reported missing in the UK. A huge number, which means that in Sussex alone, there's about 20 people reported missing each day. Many of them are found, as some of them are not found Some of that might depend on whether they want to be found or not. The two parables we have tonight, searching for a coin and for a sheep, are in some way actually a warm-up act for the third in the trilogy. The one that comes immediately after these is the prodigal son the coin is misplaced and a thoroughly meticulous search will reveal it something happens to the sheep we know not what happens to the sheep and the sheep can be found with the lost son it becomes a bit more tricky When we've lost something, quite often when we find it, we realise that we actually knew where it was all along. At the moment of discovery, I quite often do a sort of metaphorical slap of the head. Of course, it's there. I had one of those experiences this morning. You know, I went to take my mobile phone out of my jacket pocket so that it wouldn't interfere with the microphone, you know. I was trying to remember doing that. And it wasn't in my jacket. Oh, well, maybe I shoved it in my back pocket, you know. But with this pair of trousers, it doesn't go very far in. So I thought, well, maybe it's fallen out. You know, what, what have I done with it? You know, maybe it's lying in the vestry. After the service, I went into the vestry, it wasn't lying there. I thought, well, maybe it never actually left the house. You know, it might be lying on the bed. might be somewhere in the bathroom. I take it out of the pocket you if I go to the low, because certain people, many people I know, actually, I know at least of half a dozen people who have lost phones down toilets or feeling that it might clatter on the floor, to say, um, so, say, you know, um, uh, you look after that. Maybe that's where it is. Where, where could it be? I thought, right, I'll get the keys out the pocket, shove my hand in my front pocket, and there was the phone. It'd been with me all morning. Fortunately, it didn't make a noise on the radio mic, to the best of my knowledge. Um, but I'd actually, I'd had it in my pocket all the time, and I went, oh, yeah, shoved it in there, I didn't, I? Oh this happens. We, we put something down, we put it in a safe place and we forget. And sometimes when we lose something, that's what we've done. And usually with a thing like a phone or a coin, it remains where we've put it or where it fell out of our pocket or where we dropped it maybe as the woman was maybe checking off coins or or whatever she was doing when that coin was lost It, it stays there until disturbed a lost sheep or a person may wander far and wide they behave in a different manner And there's even a risk that as you search and you leave an area behind you that you've searched, that the person or sheep might go into that area. The place that you think is cleared might be where they now are. A large coordinated search party has techniques for making sure that that doesn't really happen, Um, though it can be tricky. Uh, It can be incredibly tricky if it's one shepherd out by himself. But it is a shepherd, we imagine, who has an idea of how far he has travelled since the sheep was last known to be safe. We imagine that it's a, a diligent shepherd, a good shepherd, and that he will know that the animal hasn't actually been lost all that long. Because he's a good shepherd. And he sees that there's only 99, and goes, ah, there was 100. There's 99 now. Must be between here and there. He might even be able to think of the path that he's travelled And where the opportunities were that that sheep went astray. But even so, as he sets off, there is a risk of leaving the 99. He might think it's a low risk, but he abandons them in open countryside. And he goes alone through the wilderness for the missing one. This shepherd is either confident or maybe foolish to leave those 99. But maybe it is a thing that he has a great love for that sheep. By not driving the sheep back along the track that he's come, he'll be able to go faster. He doesn't take the 99 to find the one. It is a thing that maybe has to be done individually. And, of course, if the one had fallen victim to a wolf by taking the 99 there, he could expose them all to danger. The same danger, we might think, as leaving them in open countryside. But he does go. And he does find. And he does rejoice. Rejoice. The woman, who we might take to be a widow, as there is no reference to our family in the celebration at the end of the passage, just kind of friends and neighbours. The the woman has lost 10% of her wealth. She has what amounts to the equivalent of 10 days' pay quite a reasonable sum, it might have taken a quite a period of time to save that up and to lose one of those ten coins would be a great matter to her, a great concern so she makes every effort to find it Just as the shepherd made every effort to go back and find the lost sheep, she lights a lamp. She sweeps the house. She seeks until she finds. She keeps going and keeps going and keeps going until that coin is found. If she continues to search, she knows it will be there. And she knows that when she finds it, she can rejoice. And she does. Like the shepherd, with the finding, there is too much joy to keep her delight to herself. Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin my lost sheep. And there is also, Jesus says, much rejoicing in heaven over one who was lost, repenting. The context of these parables being told was the criticism of Jesus by Pharisees for welcoming tax collectors and sinners. Jesus is not simply shaving time with them because he enjoys their company. He is hoping that the lost will repent. There is a purpose there, a purpose that the Pharisees are not seeing. they can only see the negative associating with these strange people. They can't see what might, not guaranteed will, what might come out of it. The challenges to us is in what we do and who we are. Is our life so consumed by church people and church activities that we don't engage with others? And if we see people engaging in a way that we disagree with, are we being good disciples or are we being the Pharisees? Are there right and wrong activities that we should and should not do? Or right and wrong people? Or right and wrong places to do it in? When we do meet with people not of faith, what do we say to those who maybe don't see themselves as lost? Those who are happy with where they are. The shepherd goes out. He finds the lost sheep. We don't know whether it was injured, whether it was stuck in a hedge, whether it was just happily munching grass that was lovely and green. We don't know what was going through that sheep's mind at the time. But the shepherd finds it and picks it up. And we have this picture of him carrying it carrying the sheep home on his shoulders. We cannot go off down Linfield High Street, find the lost and carry them back on our shoulders. They might not be very happy at that. They might have been quite happy where they were. We can't just bring them in and say, yeah, I found the lost person and drop them down at the front of the church give them a nice seat to sit on it doesn't work that way does it? it has to be something (coughs) of the individual's (laughs) choice in the third story the story that we're familiar with but which we didn't read tonight we see the prodigal son having a personal awakening that brings him home. It is the son that realises it is better to be a servant of the father than to not even have pig's food to eat. The father has made his love, his generosity, his welcome Known in the past. And he stands day after day looking out, waiting to rejoice when the sun returns home. Jesus makes his presence, his love, his generosity of time, and he's willing to associate with others. He makes that presence known to the tax collectors and to the other sinners, whoever they are. And they choose to come. And they choose to see him. It is the spirit working in the hearts and minds of individuals that see them awaken to the love of God. But they don't awaken until that moment when things click in place. It's therefore vital that we are a good witness of the kingdom in how we welcome in church but also how we speak and how we act outside of the church in wider society. That others see the love pouring out through us and have their awakening saying Yes, I'm going to go there. I want to discover. I want that to be something for me. If we are to show God's love, then as I was saying this morning, our lives must reveal that we have been shaped by God's mercy and by his grace. That we think of his kingdom above our own desires in rejoicing at the finding of the sheep of the coin and of the sun the participants of the parables are reflecting the desire to bring on earth something of heaven The parties there are a reflection of the joy in the heart of the one that has found. But Jesus says it's not simply a joy limited there. Because these are stories that are metaphors, they're parables. They are to make us think of how God does things. And when someone repents, we see much rejoicing in heaven, a celebration. It is that element that the the Jewish people closely thought of, of us doing on earth as it is in heaven. That thinking that comes out in the Lord's Prayer with that familiar line, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we have much cause to party as the angels of heaven rejoice in the repentant sinners as the lost are found. May we have much cause to party because of the joy we have of being God's people.